Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. A social media post that I had shared on my Instagram page, I pretty much, I put together a little compilation of what it was like for me being diagnosed as a 19-year-old in college and how it really impacted my life. I got a lot of positive feedback on it and a lot of love, and it really uplifted me and made me feel like there were people there for me. And so I think in that aspect, like social media is such, it can be such a positive tool to use. And I really enjoyed all the feedback I got and all the, it was pretty much just one big group text that I sent out to everybody I knew and was like, all right, this is what happened. And I'm kicking butt. And yeah, so that was something that I shared. And I thought that I got a lot of positive feedback on it. I was using social media at the time that I was also diagnosed. And I kind of used it to announce what was happening and what it was kind of like similarly to Allison. But I also used it as a coping mechanism because I used a lot of humor. Um, So I would often like share on my Snapchat to my friends, like pictures of me, like making the most of my situation. So I think I can share screen, right, Shelly? So this was me as the airbender. Yep, that's the first day I lost my hair and I just had it shaved all off. And then this was me as Howie Mandel. So this was kind of how I used social media and humor to kind of cope with it. I've since deleted social media just because I'm just at the point in my life where I just don't feel the need to be on that platform anymore. And I do better communicating with friends and family in person and on the phone. But at the time, social media was really beneficial to me in communicating and reaching out to others and also for raising funds for cancer. So I'm going to popcorn it over to Brady now. So I'm going to read a Facebook post that I posted, I guess, a year ago, my nine-year anniversary of my boomer transplant. Nine years. Nine years of laughter, smiles, happiness, and life because of the selflessness of Sean Lucas to donate his bone marrow. Blessed to have every day with incredible people like my doctors and nurses who always believed in me and continue to years later. Every day waking up to make the world a better place. Thank you, everyone, who has been part of my journey so far. Cheers to nine years post-transplant and many more. And I think for me, it's just, it, it's a celebrate, celebratory tool moving forward. And thank you, Lexi and, and Allison for sharing that. So without further ado, I definitely want to introduce Sarah Daniels, um, which we have the privilege to have you join us tonight. Sarah works as a child life specialist for St. Jude Research Children's Hospital. I hope I got that right. As well, she's getting her PhD from Memphis University has a lot of cool research that she's conducting in her doctoral studies. Definitely excited to have her. So Sarah, I'm going to let you take the floor. Awesome. Thank you so much for that introduction. I know it's kind of a mouthful to string all of that together, but yeah, I am a child life specialist at St. Jude. I've been here for the last five years and majority of my time here, I've been working with AYA and most recently working with people who are 20 and older when they get diagnosed. So I just love learning every day from y'all's experiences. And on the other side of things, I am also a researcher. So I spend a lot of my time doing research. And the reason I do research is because I'm interested in improving experiences for people your age when they get diagnosed with cancer. And 
part of that is just learning a little bit more about what is normal and typical and fun and also what's challenging and hard and difficult during treatment and diagnosis. And so social media is something that's really interesting to me because it's something that kind of came out of nowhere over a decade ago and has just become a part of all of our lives, but especially the lives of teens and 20s. So just learning about how we use it, why we use it, how does it make us feel, um, especially when going through something like a cancer diagnosis has been really interesting for me to um, sort of explore and help people navigate. So thanks for having me today and letting me chat about it with you guys. Yeah, of course. Well, I guess a question for you, what AYA programs are you developing at St. Jude right now? That's a great question. So we do a lot of programming focus for our teens and 20s here at St. Jude. And obviously with the pandemic, there's been some rollback of that face-to-face programming, but I'm excited to see it sort of creeping back into a little bit more normalcy. But we do everything from groups to special events, and we have educational seminars, things like that. But really, we've been focused the last couple of years on revamping it and kind of stepping it up a notch, right? AYA programs across the country and the world are really starting to show off. And I love it. I love to see all the attention on AYA and just how special programming can be and coming together as a group of people going through something so unique. So I um, am excited to see where our programming continues to go. And then I know to kind of bounce off that, so your dissertation work is in social media specific, which is what our topic is obviously tonight. So can you explain a little bit about your dissertation work um, and then further ask questions to the rest of the group, kind of how they use social media and maybe why they don't use social media? Yeah, absolutely. Just to give you guys some background, I became interested in this topic because I think that social media is a such a large topic, right? Social media could mean text messaging to, to one person and TikTok to another and Snapchat to another. And it's just grown to be a very typical way that we communicate with each other, right? And something that um, piqued my interest about this is that here at St. Jude, a lot of our patients travel from across the country to get their treatment. Not a ton of them are local. We do have a lot of local patients, but um, we also have a ton of patients that travel from outside of their home. And social media is one of the ways that they stayed connected to their friends. But at the same time, it's such a visible platform. We're always posting pictures of ourselves. And at the same time, I'm hearing them struggle with showing a picture of themselves with an NG tube or the first time they're starting to lose their hair. And it's kind of grappling with that decision. Do I post and keep up what I'm usually doing before I'm diagnosed or do I not post and have people ask me questions anyways? So just sort of having those conversations and figuring out what's right for every person has been something that in my clinical care I'm really interested in. For my research, I've learned that sort of the narrative is that social media is bad. And I think we can all agree that there are aspects to social media that are, of course, bad or can be bad. But there's not a lot of space for people to talk about the ways in which social media is good. And I think it's important to have those conversations, right? If social media is good for you, then in what ways can you use it to be a good tool? And then how can we become aware of those times when it's not good for us, when it's making us feel worse or making us feel 
like we're under a lot of pressure to maintain something that isn't feasible for our lives anymore. Um, so just opening up that dialogue. And again, when something like using social media becomes so second nature to us, it's kind of hard to tap into that self-awareness and realize like, oh, this is something that's making me happy or this is something that's making things harder for me. So just having that conversation can give people a lot of perspective. So I guess something that I really would like to ask you guys just to sort of start off the conversation is if you use social media, what would you say is the best platform? Let's start there. So I'm just going to speak for Gen Z here and say that it's TikTok. (laughs) When I was going through treatment, like TikTok was just starting, like I just downloaded it and then I got cancer. And I was like, it was something that kind of like gave me, it was like, I was mindlessly scrolling. Like it didn't feel like as much like Instagram where it's like intimate, I guess. Like Instagram, I feel like is more like you're looking at your friends' lives and you're looking at celebrities' lives. But like TikTok, it's like, you're looking at like funny videos that are going to make you smile or you're looking at like what you want to look at. Like, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't anything where I was like, I never felt like I was comparing myself to people on TikTok. Like I wasn't like, oh, wow, I wish I looked like that. Like, whereas Instagram, I feel like gets kind of that rep where it's kind of like picture perfect. So like I did get a viral TikTok video of me bald making fun of myself. And I got a lot of people who were like, thought it was hilarious and loved it. But I also got a lot of people who are like, what is that thing? <laughs> and so there's two sides of it. But honestly, I would, I would say it's more positive than not. I guess I can speak for the millennials then. Not all millennials, but which is weird though. It's like Gen Z. There's another one. Anyway, I still feel like a 13, 14 year old sometimes, but I'm looking at them like, oh, getting older, getting older. So I think in my, so I have two ways of looking at it personally, because I manage, it's funny, I manage our social media accounts at my job. And then I also have my own personal way of of doing things. So removing my professional and my personal, I decided, I mean, I had a Facebook page, but I do not post on it often. It's kind of more of a avenue of communicating with relatives and family seems to be more of the avenue that I used it for. I know I decided to announce that I had non-Hodgkin's and the beginning of my battle after I'd already started treatment, after I had, I actually, I, I decided to shave my head after I had done that. And I made a very public post about it saying that type of way as a way, kind of like a, everyone who ever, who I ever wanted to know there it's at one time. I don't have to tell everyone separately after already my family had after I'd already talked with family, I talked with close friends. That way it was kind of out there because I knew that eventually the news would get out and I kind of wanted to be in control of, it was my decision to tell everyone at one time. I don't have a lot of the other, I enjoy TikTok as much. I love TikTok. I don't have a TikTok account because I feel at 29, I'm a little, maybe a little bit too old to just start TikTok. Maybe, I don't know, but I enjoy it. And I have, a, there's a work Instagram that I, that I do that I love. And I think that um, Instagram is definitely growing and it's used in a lot of different ways. Because for me, when it first came out, it was, it seemed to be more of like a celebrity platform. And now it seems to be more accessible. But I know that it seems to be the type of mediums where it depends on who you want to see it. Definitely seems to be almost a generational thing. Facebook seems to be older. I think maybe I was one of the last 
around that time with us, but, oh, this is a hip new thing. And I'm very well aware it is not. And now it is Instagram and TikTok and it's shifting like that. So personally, that's how, that's what I think. You hit on a lot of really great points there. I think some of us use four or five platforms in different ways. Some of us have three or four accounts on one platform and use it for different purposes, right? Especially like what you're talking about, having a sense of control over something at a time in your life when everything else feels out of control, kind of nice to have a space that you can control. So on that note, some people choose to share their diagnosis, like you said, come up with a post, come up with sort of curate what the experience is going to look like to the outside world, right? You're putting it on display and other people find that very overwhelming. Like the reactions that you put out there, then you have to answer more questions. And so I guess I'm wondering if people can share their experiences or thoughts with that. Like, did you plan a post? If you did, were you hesitant? Like what went into that decision for you? Um, I can, I can speak to that kind of, I mean, I was kind of like not with it for the beginning. So I didn't, I mean, I had my phone, but my mom had it. Like I couldn't even like get on any form of social media. So like when I finally could, like I couldn't walk or anything. And there was like, I saw a friend, I had went to a target or something and I saw a friend who from high school who was like, yeah, like it's going around that, like you were in some major car accident and you're never going to walk again and all this stuff. Like I didn't intend on sharing it with friends or anything. I was just like, no. So that day I was like, okay, I guess I better post something. So it was just kind of like an awkward, like, Hey, just wanted to put this out there. Cause there's some miscommunication. So like, I didn't really have a post in mind or anything, but it was interesting how like those posts, like I posted that day, like just to let everyone know. And then like, when I was completely done with everything, I did an update in those posts. Like I would say I normally get like, or maybe a decent post is like 30 ish people respond to it. But these ones were like, I don't know if other people have this experience with like their cancer posts, but like these posts have like a ridiculous amount at least for me like 150 200 people and I'm just like okay nah, nah I never hear from like say it's like 150 people I never hear from 140 of you so I see a lot of you agreeing with that so I am ready for the next story I can go so I my sister outed me I was like for the longest time not telling anybody other than close relatives and then the day I started chemo, she didn't realize that, I guess, that I hadn't like announced to everyone or that I was okay. So she like in good mind tried to make a post and was like wishing me luck. And it was like a lift up post and it was really nice. But I was like, I didn't like, wasn't ready yet to kind of like announce that to the world. Like I just hadn't come to terms with how to tell people. So she kind of did it for me. She didn't mean to. And so because of that, I received all this influx of support and it was it was really like nice and it actually like cheered me up to see that. But at the same time, like Emily said, like people were crawling out of like the crawl spaces, like, where did you come from? <laughs> um, and then, so the one I finally did come out, same response, like, I don't know why people love the cancer posts. Like I got the most likes on those pictures. And now looking back, I mean, it was nice at the time going through that to see like people giving you kind words. And so at the time it did help. I was the same way. I didn't want anyone to know, like, I didn't want anyone to know. 
I, so the post that I made the compilation of was actually four months after I finished my last treatment. I didn't tell anybody. Like I didn't even, there was like my family members who didn't even know. Like I didn't tell anybody. I didn't want anyone to know. I was in another state than my home state. Nobody knew. It was just what I wanted. Um, I, I, I didn't want to talk about it. I, that's how I am with things and that's how I wanted to deal with it. But I, everybody's different. Like I know somebody who was diagnosed in that same day. They're posting about it and like that's how they deal with it. Like you deal with it in your own way. But for me, I, I didn't want people to be coming out of the crawl space being there for me or, you know what I mean? Like I, I wanted to do it by myself with my close knit friends and family and get it over with, I guess. But I don't know that that was just me personally. And looking back, I kind of wish maybe that I did use my voice a little bit because maybe I could have been there for other people who were going through it at the same time, but you have to take care of yourself first. So I didn't post about it at all until now I do. Now I like to talk about it. I like to share my story, but at first I wasn't ready. So, yeah, I mean, personally, I, I don't remember like a specific post about just like letting people know of my diagnosis and stuff. I think I did post about it, but I think it was probably like a little bit into it, like at least a week or two into it until I posted just because like there was a large like shock factor and stuff. And it took me a while to just like come to my own senses of like, you know, getting my mind around the fact that I just was told that I have cancer at like a young age also, you know, while I'm still in high school. So I, I was one of the people that didn't really mind like letting people know. And I kind of wanted to keep people updated. And I know that I had kind of mixed feelings about people coming out of the woodwork that would never normally talk to me in the hallways and stuff. But it was nice, you know, to still see that people have my back, you know, whether they were close with me or not. But I definitely like told all my like family and friends, like close friends right away. Yeah, I also posted. I don't usually post that much on social media, but I just wanted like a simple way to let people know that I hadn't know already. But I think to me, the thing that was the most shocking is I posted, I think, during my two years of treatment, like one picture of me with no hair. And I swear every single person that's ever followed me liked that picture. And I usually get like two likes if I post something like a picture. And I don't know why, what it is about like seeing a bald person in cancer makes people, they just like like, they comment, they tell you like how beautiful you are. And I'm like, most of you wouldn't even say hi to me at the grocery store. Yeah, you're hitting on a really good question. And I wonder a lot, once you make that decision, once you share that post, you're like, got it off my chest came up with the perfect caption, found the perfect photo, tagged all the people. It's great. You put it out there and you had so much control. And then that control kind of goes away. You know, the reaction is now on the internet. So the people who do come out of the woodworks, the people who react in that way, did any of you consider deleting the post or did you comment back or correct anyone? Or what was the aftermath of sharing that online? I can speak a little bit to that. I know that the idea of people crawling out of the woodwork, luckily, I had spoken to and joined this group before I announced. I had other people who had walked me through it, Lexi included, who walked me through some of the what to expect 
one of them was you're going to have people come out of the woodwork. You're going to have people you have not spoken to in years come out. You're going to have all these people offering to do these, like saying, I'm with, I'm with you. If you need anything, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Uh, I'm here for you. And, uh, and it was just very overwhelming, the amount of, and a lot of something I remember I, when I posted it, a picture of myself bald as my profile picture, because it was hot and it was summer and I was not wearing anything. I was hot and I got the, you're so beautiful. You're so strong. You're so courageous. And I'm like, I'm just hot. <laughs> like, and it was just kind of this weird moment of realizing that there's a lot of powerlessness from other people and their way of trying to ex- but be supportive is that while I think most cancer fighters will say, we're just trying to get through <laughs> and we're doing what we're being told. But um, I, I never felt like I wanted to delete it. I was pretty much by the time that I had worked through and gotten the courage to post a picture of myself. My post was when I had buzzed hair, but later on I lost all of it, was I made that decision to post. I posted it. And if people reached out to me from that and I didn't have the energy, I kind of try to give myself the grace to say, you do not have to respond. You're going through this. You'll respond when you have time. They need to respect that. But yeah, it was very, very uh, eye-opening. One particular person reached out to me and we haven't talked we haven't talked maybe in seven, eight years. And she she messaged me and she wished me good luck. And then her thing was like, So what else is going on with you? And I'm like, I don't know, the cancer's pretty much taking all of my time. I don't know what else to tell you. And I could tell that the situation it was very much got very awkward as she was trying to uh give me the conversation. And I was like, you know what? I think we're good. <laughs> I think we've reached the end of this conversation for now. But uh, that one sticks out as the example of people reaching out. Um, and I had to accept that it's the the powerlessness of other people with it as well. But uh, quite an interesting conversation. My experience was like after posting, the thing that I noticed the most was just like people responding. And it did get to a point where like it was a little overwhelming at one point, but I knew it was like, from a good place that like, you know, people just actually like were worried and stuff like that, you know, and concerned about how I was doing. And, you know, I eventually got back to all of them, but you know, it was a little overwhelming initially, you know, but it was still good to see that like there's people, a lot of people being supportive and stuff and checking in to see how I'm doing. Yeah. Um, just building off Ryan's, like a lot of people coming out. And I think like a part of me understands like where their mind's at when they see something online and i think it's just human nature to want to be supportive and tell someone that you're wishing them the best and and for me my response was just to thank you and just move on like i didn't delete anything when i had people like coming out and commenting i just said thank you and then just like went on with it because trying to like if i saw something on social media of somebody i knew but didn't really know i feel like maybe i would do the same and just say like good luck i don't really know (laughs) because i'm on the other end of that but I feel like that's how I kind of responded to it instead of just being like, oh, all these people are just, they're just doing this because like they feel bad. I kind of understood like where they were coming from. So, so I took it in good nature, but definitely boosted my followers. I got like, I went from like 500 Instagram followers to like 3000. I was like, okay. (laughs) So at the time that was like, cool. Now, not so much because I ended up deleting it all. But in the moment, I think the support was better and I don't regret posting about it. I was thinking of something when Lauren was talking. So, so once I made like the post after my 
treatment, people were like, well, we want to see like pictures like of this or of that or of your hair of this, like, you don't owe that to anybody really. So you don't have to post anything that you don't want to post. And if you want to make one post and be done, then that's the post you want to make. Like, don't feel pressured, you know what I mean? Into feeling like maybe you were, maybe you did post every day before you had cancer and now you don't want to, and you, you want to, you, you don't want to keep that same post energy, I guess you don't have to. I just want to say that. I just want that to be known that just because you are, you were a poster before cancer, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to, if you don't want to, just wanted to say that. I don't know if it's just me, but I'm just generally a, I just won't respond to things. I like, especially on Facebook, I'm just uh, like, it's, it's just kind of like something where I keep up with people. I don't, but I don't always like respond or like comment or whatever. So a lot of the posts I didn't comment back on just because I don't generally do that. I did to certain people. Um, I did send like thank you cards and stuff like that. But just like in general, like just going off with a whole um, like when you're bald and stuff. I also don't know if it's just me, but like nothing made me more uncomfortable than when people would just like, and this sounds weird. But like when people would accentuate like, oh, you're so beautiful, blah, 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 blah. It's just like, I don't like, like attention on me. So like when, when they really like, like I've had people tell me that like three times and I'm just like, uh, like you don't know what to say to that. You're like, thanks. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, I just feel like it's awkward, at least for me. I can agree with you, Emily. Um, Obviously I was diagnosed a long time ago, but I used to live in a small town and kind of, I went to a small school, so everybody kind of knew each other when everything was happening to me. And um, everything happened to me so fast that I never really got the time to like, even think about making a post or like telling people I only like my immediate family knew in the moment. And then um, I remember my mom posted a picture of me and, um, you know, a lot of people that knew my mom, like were kind of questioning her and then they started questioning me. I never really posted as much. I didn't respond to people. And there was one time that I did post and I told everyone, like, I appreciate, you know, all the love and stuff you guys are giving me. But I would want, you know, I wanted some privacy because I was only 16 and I was trying to process everything in the moment. I think the first time I ever kind of did anything was my homecoming I went. And it wasn't like the best experience for me because that's why I decided not to go to prom. I kind of, I went to homecoming and I just had all these random people that I never even knew or probably went to school with them, but never spoke to them. They just would come up to me randomly and want to take a picture with me. And it just made me feel uncomfortable because I was like, I'm not kind of sure how I even know you. So that kind of ruined the experience for me of not wanting to even go to prom because I just didn't want people to take pictures of, of me and post them on social media. And I didn't even know. That's a great point. I, yeah, I think can can certainly agree. There, there are people who, as we've been saying, come out of the woodwork and, and can cross lines like that. I would definitely not want someone I don't know super well to take a picture of me. I, the, the one point I just wanted to offer, um, and I don't know if other people feel this way, is I don't want to discourage people reaching out, though. There were some people I heard from that I hadn't heard from in years that it was really nice to hear from them. You know, I had a good relationship with them, but just didn't talk to them in a long time. Um, so some of those people that did reach out, I really appreciated. 
and this this will definitely differ by person, but I would appreciate that more as a mistake of enthusiasm than the people that you expect to hear from that you don't. I think that can be, I, I would prefer to have someone unintentionally do too much than do too little. Yeah, Casey, I definitely really agree with that because actually like a couple different groups of like my friends from high school or like people that I had gone to school with, like raised money for me or like my high school science teachers um, made me like a big gift basket of like science things, like just really nice things came out of it. And like they wouldn't have ever known if I hadn't posted. So I really think most people are going to be well-intentioned. It's just like Astrid said, like there might be some people that aren't but i think that probably like for most people there's more benefits of posting something at least like to let people know i think it depends a lot on whether you talk to the people or not sometimes i feel like you did have your friends and you were close but then you grew up a little bit more and you kind of lost touch with each other for me it happened that i did lose touch with one of my friends he knew that i had cancer he came and he brought me like a big teddy bear and he was so so supportive so I think some of the times it's nice because you get to catch up unintentionally with some friends or teachers or things like that so I feel like it depends if you didn't talk to the person and then they're like trying to talk to you then it's just weird I really appreciate that you're willing to share such different perspectives because that's the truth of social media right like there's no right way to do social media and everyone is going to have a different experience online and you can't really predict what's going to happen. So giving someone advice who's just diagnosed with cancer, like you can share your experience or, you know, offer some perspectives, but you never really know how that person's community is going to react because everybody's network is created of different people. But one thing that is sort of common, not just like cancer aside, just in the world, there's this common narrative that we share and make posts with a positive spin on it. And I wondered if you guys felt pressure to wait for a positive moment in your journey to make that post, or if you are somebody who posted throughout your treatment, were you ever, did you ever share more of the uncomfortable, hard days? And if you did, Tell me a little bit about what that was like for you. Well, like personally for me, like I feel like as far as posting, there might be something where I occasionally like post something like goofy or just like, I don't know, some type of just regular like picture, my Snapchat story, but it would be nothing that would be like super like descriptive of like how or in detail of like how my treatment is going the only time i really use social media to go in detail i feel like is my close friends that i snapchatted but i feel like throughout my treatment i only really posted like milestone type things so like uh being in remission stuff like that and i would post like because there's a point in time where i went to uh well there's a couple points in time throughout my treatment where I went to uh, CHOP Children's Hospital of Philadelphia for some of my treatment, um, even though I started my treatment Hershey. So, like, you know, people would obviously know that, you know, I'm in the hospital in Philly now or whatever. But, like, it was nothing too specific except to, like, my close friends that would Snapchat me on a regular basis. I 
shortly after being diagnosed, uh, started using my Twitter more. I started using it uh, to join Twitter cancer support groups. And, and it seemed to be kind of like, for me, it was almost like shouting it into the void, like having a really bad day uh, about something or a really funny thing that I thought of while in treatment or just something that I just thought of that, that I necessarily didn't want to burden my husband with or burden somebody else with. And then it kind of built up. So other people going through it were able to like and understand and things like that. I have a very dark sense of humor. And I was afraid that if I posted some of the thoughts that I had on Facebook, that some of my mother's friends and my mother would start calling me and they're like, you okay? You all right? That's like the second, like gonna die of cancer joke that you made in the last. And it's like, it's it was part of my process has been making jokes and just, it was bad before, but I think the cancer diagnosis has really made my humor dark. But um, just kind of like afraid of posting some of those some of those moments. I attempted to start a blog during treatment, and due to how intense treatment was, I just could not keep up with it. It was too much emotional things for me to deal with while going through active treatment. But personally, on that note, uh, just to add to that, one thing I'll add to that is I use it. A lot now to tell the truth, looking back is, you know, for the long-term side effects of treatment that I'm dealing with 10 years later, what are the reasons why that we need to do research to kind of move forward with that? I think I, I always do as an optimist, put a positive spin on it, but that's just how I am as an individual, but not being said that I won't tell the truth and then also kind of focus on the positive of how we can move forward. So if I'm, you know, enhancing saying, you know, this is the long-term side effects. Well, how can we combat that not happening in another individual? And I think that's how I use a lot of my social platforms now is the outreach to raise, you know, funds and awareness for the organizations, as well as like, you know, raise awareness that just because you're done ringing the bell does not mean you're done your journey with cancer. Like that's just the beginning. And I think that's a lot of where we can come into play as thrivers, as I define it is showing the honest truth, but also showing after the bell. So what happens after the bell moving forward in the future is, is kind of my big focus now. And how do you allow patients and that are going through similar situations as you to understand that it's okay to feel that way after the big shebang's over, essentially, for lack of better terms? I also... I guess you could say I have a darker sense of humor. And I just wanted to share one thing that I've done that would probably horrify my mother if she ever found out. So I don't know if anyone else is like a Spotify person, but, and just, just like a heads up, this was not my idea. This, someone else gave me the idea, but this one, um, she's a little bit older, but this one friend I knew, like, as far as I know, she hasn't gone through something similar. She's just like, has a dark sense of humor she's just like yeah like i have a playlist like to play at my funeral on spotify i'm like that is an awesome idea so i started a playlist on my spotify and i was like songs to play at my funeral i think that's an awesome idea i can definitely understand how that would shock people that you're close to if they stumbled upon it but i'm all about taking time now to 
plan how we want to be celebrated and remembered whenever our life does end for whatever cause or reason, right? Like we all have a right to do that. And I love that you found a fun way to be like, this is the playlist that I want people to be rocking out to (laughs) when I can't be there to do it. Well, also no one under the age of 18 should probably be at my funeral. So (laughs) I guess another question that I wanted to ask you guys is if you ever had a conversation with a provider or a parent about what it's like, or even a friend, um, who, who not a cancer friend, but another friend about what it's like to use social media as someone who's been through cancer. And were you surprised by anything that they thought or what do you wish that they knew? The only thing that really, that I remember that has always bugged me is that everyone seems to think that when you're going through cancer treatment, you have a lot of free time where you just have this abundant energy to post and to tell everyone what's going on. And I don't know where that myth comes from, but I can tell you as going through it, that the days are can be very short in sleeping and resting and taking care of yourself. And sometimes for me, it was designating someone to tell people how I was doing because I just didn't have the energy to do it myself. So I'd like to share that maybe I'm not going to be updating as, you know, the updates don't come as frequently because I'm currently fighting cancer as I currently fighting cancer at the moment. So it's a little bit difficult to keep everybody up to date. It's almost like what I kind of felt like for my social media page was I kind of like hung up like a gone for lunch, be back later sign. Because I wasn't gonna, I didn't have the energy, like you said. There's no energy. There's no spare energy at the end of the day. If I had spare energy, it would be like to take a shower. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Just t- talking to people. If I would have anything to say to anyone who you know is going through cancer and you know is doesn't know what to do with their social media, or whatever, just do what what you feel is right, and you don't have to make that decision anytime soon. You know what I mean? You don't have to decide whether you should post about it right now or 10 months when you're done or pretty much just go at your own pace and you don't owe anybody anything and, you know, focus on healing yourself. And if posting helps you, then post. Yeah, Sarah, I think that's, I think that's a great question. And probably all the, all the more reason um, to, to need research in that area is when, when you think of providers and nurses, they're, they're typically older, right? And so as you said, social media is a relatively new phenomenon. So I don't think there's like that. I don't think a lot of providers have that personal experience with it, you know, let alone how to give advice in a situation like this. Um, so, you know, I can remember like nurse had recommended, you know, don't, I wouldn't recommend putting everything out there on social media. I was not an active user beforehand. So, so I didn't go that route. But I, I was actually remember something that Abby had said um, in one of these sessions was like, just because someone chooses to do things differently than you doesn't mean it's wrong. Like, that's kind of what Allison's saying, like, that's what's right for them. So let them do it. Um, and, and that was kind of like, it took me a little while to figure out where I stood on that. It's like, this is how I personally feel, but kind of up to each individual. So I'm glad I had that previous wisdom in the past. I don't remember saying that. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny the things that stick with you, but yeah, I remember you saying that. Um, I don't. It wasn't obviously specific to this, but I think it was just how people choose to handle their experiences. Okay, I have another question. 
did anyone, after sharing something on social media or having a family member share something on social media about your diagnosis or treatment, get unsolicited advice? Wait, can I please share something? Because I pulled it up just for this. All right. I'm just going to share the screen again. Can you read it for us? Yes. Okay. So Gail the Snail is my sister. That's her like fake Instagram account. So the person, you can't see what their name was, but they go, hi, I saw your sister was diagnosed with cancer and I'm so sorry, but she's so brave, but I wanted to suggest something. So if your pH levels are above seven, cancer literally can't exist in your body. And a good way to handle that is by going in a sauna. I just thought I'd mention something because a lot of the time stuff like that isn't mentioned at a hospital. Veggie slash alkaline diet is a really powerful method too. Basically just lowering the acidity in your body. So this is a hundred percent false. Um, because first off, if your blood pH is below seven, I mean, you're at risk for dying. So don't listen to that. Really don't, <laughs> you don't want your blood pH outside of like 7.35 to four five. So I guess what she was trying to say is just be more basic, but. I don't, I know this person was well intended, but I don't know where they're getting the information from. Maybe Facebook. But at the time, like hearing that, I was enraged. I was so angry at this person because I know they just wanted to help. But I first off, I didn't ask her for her cancer life saving treatment. And it was so false. And the science behind it was just very ignorant. And I was just so frustrated because here I am pumping like the most amount of toxic stuff I could into my body just to live. And this person's telling me that if I just go in a sauna, that my cancer will be good. So yeah, that is the one of the most funniest and ridiculous advice I have gotten. I, st- I don't know who this person was. My sister didn't know who they were. Some random person that came out of the woodworks that saw her post. Anybody else have some life-saving treatment that you didn't know about? Well, that I mean, that was... Uh... I had quite the reaction to reading. That. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I kind of felt the same way, even though it wasn't directly towards me. I felt kind of mad by it. It's yeah, it's amazing uh, how some people think they know everything and, you know, think they can solve your problems when you're not looking for a solution. I, I didn't have anybody like try to like solve my issue in that way. But I did have a person at my school who did not like me who stayed not liking me and it was kind of somebody had a group chat with this person you know i'm not going to name names but and there was some type of screenshot from the group chat that somebody had tried to blacken out like using like the editing tool on an iphone the one person's message and i could see i could just barely make out the message and the person's like tag so i knew who it was and they referred to me as a chemo explicitive word so it was not a very nice thing to hear and you know i made sure that the person was held accountable for their actions at school because it was totally inappropriate very insensitive and it was something that made me very mad because i was like in the midst of such an awful time and like people still have the you know, the ability to be that rude and insensitive to you is really disheartening. Yeah, he needs to go in a sauna, like ASAP. (laughs) Yeah. Talking about that, I feel like a lot of the times, a lot of people also want to tell you how to live as a cancer patient. It happened to me. So there would be times where I would feel like it was a good day. So I would go out with my friends. And 
uh, my friend would post about us going out, things like that. This girl that used to go with high school with us uh, told my friend, she was like, she's not supposed to be going out like that. She's not supposed to be doing this. She's so wrong for doing it that way. And I, because apparently I wasn't taking care of myself and I found it so funny. I'm like, this person doesn't even know how I live and they're judging me on how I'm supposed to live as a cancer patient. I'm just trying to be happy at the days I feel good. So I feel like sometimes you do get a lot of people that tell you how you should live as a cancer patient. Diana, I would have gone off on that person. I'd have been like, oh, you know, my blood counts. That's so crazy. Mm. I was going to college um, during my treatment. So I was I was taking four classes and a lab. And like I would go to class on a Friday morning and then go get chemo for six hours, seven hours and be very tired and whatever. I would still do it. And it's something that I wanted to do for myself. And obviously I was sick and it was hard and whatever, but I'm really happy that I did it. Obviously I am still in school, so it's good. But I would have people who'd be like, wait, you have cancer? You don't look like you have cancer or you're, you don't seem like you have cancer. I'm like, I'm wearing a wig. Like, <laughs> so sometimes I would just rip it off and be like, Hannah Montana moment, but bald. You know, it's just like, who, who is telling you how you're supposed, like, is, is there a guidebook to how to be a cancer patient? You know what I mean? Cause I didn't read it. I didn't know. And I just think that that's really unfair. And so, you know, people see you on social media or they see you out living your life and they're like, wait a second, you just had chemo. It's like, yes, yes. You know what I mean? It's not really their business or their place. So there's, there's no guidebook is what I'm saying. It's, you know, you, you live your life how you want to, and there's good days and bad days, but people are really out of pocket. <laughs> it's crazy. Man, the thing that the thing that gets me about that, and I'm so sorry, like Lexi and and uh, Brian, and that you had this type of this type of stuff that you got from that. I'm from a medical family, so no one tried to pull that crap on me. But I know it's like you know, it's not. It's almost like when I I felt like when I saw friends of mine, you know, in the cancer community, be told these type of things, or someone who was like, well, I you know, if you do this, someone I I lied, someone did tell me. They told me to stay away from all sugars because sugars cause cancer, apparently. I didn't know that. So apparently everyone that eats sugar, and anyway, anyway, um, get off my soapbox. But is yeah, the thing that, that that bothers me about it is because, you know, none of us asked for, I, none of us asked for this to happen to us. And being told, I, I remember being, saw someone that said, you're putting that poison in your body. And it's like, this is, this is what we're, this is what we're doing. We're, we're thriving. I like that. I like that term, Brady, that we're thriving with it. And the only reason that we can do that is if we have to take care of ourselves and this is how we got to do it. But yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. I think people knew, I think people might know that if they tried to give me unsolicited advice that I'd tell them where to put it. So I think I didn't get that as much, but yeah, that's extremely frustrating. What is the biggest change that you've seen in yourself, either in the way that you post or react on social media since diagnosis or before and after. And I'm especially curious because we've heard some people say that they've gotten rid of it completely. We've heard some people that say they backed off from using it and other people who said that they use it more now. So um, what would you say is the biggest change in how you use social media since diagnosis? I would say... um. I don't use it as much. Like I have 
Facebook, like Instagram and like, you know, Snapchat and stuff, but I don't really post as much as I used to. So like a lot of people, they always ask, like when I post something, they they're surprised or I get a lot of likes because I don't post at all. And it's people always say like, it's like, we don't even know where you are because I moved away like three years ago. And I didn't even post that, that I posted that. So I think I just, I think I just wanted to kind of move on. And I felt like me constantly posting about, I just felt like I didn't want to be like pitied all the time posting about something about cancer. So now I kind of just post like if it's my birthday or like if I travel somewhere and it's, it's usually like every four or five months, I don't really post as much anymore. For me, it's been kind of difficult to keep posting just because I'm trying to figure out more of who I am. So just putting things out there for me is a little uncomfortable right now or even messaging people just because uh, people will ask you, how are you doing? And sometimes even though I'm good, I'm also kind of figuring where I am in my life. So it's kind of difficult to answer other people's questions when I'm still figuring certain things out. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause. Ideas or suggestions for future episodes? Feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.